New Living uh, Translation. Read the psalm in its entirety if you are able to stand and honoring a reading of God's word. The psalm writer writes, Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. Till all the nations... The Lord reigns. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. He will judge all peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and the crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest rustle with praise before the Lord, for he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with his truth. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. As you take your seat, we're going to deal with the subject matter of the sound doctrine is worship. So if you can help me announce that to your neighbor, tell them sound doctrine is worship. Amen. Make sure nobody feels left out. If you look to your other neighbor, make sure they got the same, in the same announcement. Tell them sound doctrine is worship. Let us pause for another word of prayer. Father, we come right now truly, truly desperate for your word. Father, we pray that we will forget about ourselves and concentrate on you, that we might receive all that you have for us, that we might meditate on your word that we might draw closer to you and address the truths that are being revealed to us and that we will be able to repent and change and conform, Lord, to your will through the regeneration and the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Father, we pray remove all distractions, remove issues that are not concerning you, that we just focus on your word. In this preaching hour, we pray. Amen. Sound doctrine is for worship. Today, my desire is for us is to know that biblical doctrine is essential to our church and our relationship with God as a church member. Doctrine today may not be a popular or even a key subject in some sermons or even in that matter heard very often within the church. However, doctrine should be in every sermon, And is what the church is truly founded on and finds her meaning. Our doctrine comes from what? Our Bible, which is God's revelation to us. The term doctrine means teaching. 
And these teachings define our theology. Even the word theology, we have theos and then lagos means words of God. And so the Bible reveals these truths to us by the grace of God. And therefore, our responsibility to these truths is to know God and know how to serve him better because of his word. To give us another text to help us to understand our responsibility in understanding his word and doctrine. Deuteronomy 29 and 29 says this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and for our sons forever. That we may observe all the words of this law. That we may observe all the words that is in this law. Can someone say all? You know, when we want all, we want everything. That's what's including. And so when God says all his word, we should take time to observe all of his word. In observing all of God's word, we will find his good and perfect will for us and discover his holy nature and the beautiful story of man's redemption. When looking at the Bible, we should not look at the Bible as it is a whole history book, although it does crowd over 2,000 years of history in the 11 chapters of Genesis. But yet the Bible is not a history book. Even that, the truth remains that if you look in the New Testament, and oftentimes we do to find out about more about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we will find out that even in the New Testament, it is not a full autobiographical sketch of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, it mainly has us three years of his adult public ministry. Yes, it does mention his birth. It does mention how he was conceived. But yet those are small proportions of that text, while the majority of it deals with his adult ministry and his death and his resurrection. And so, therefore, if the Bible is not a whole history book, it's not a biography of our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then what is this authority we call the Bible? Well, I'm here to share that the Bible, again, is God's revelation to us, and it reveals to us the great, beautiful, wonderful story of man's redemption and God's desire to have a relationship with us. And that desire is shown by his works of redemption. So once we understand this Bible is the authority that God has revealed himself to us, then we start looking, what has God revealed to us? Because to look at revelation, revelation means to reveal what was secret to be made known. Can you understand that we can't know God on our own? Y'all quiet on me. That on our own, we cannot know God. Y'all quiet on. We just had the sweetheart Galen. Let me, let me just walk down y'all block. We just had the sweetheart Galen. And it is a man right here. If he wanted to know his woman, he found out he could find out on his own. He had to do some research. He tried to talk to some friends or some friends or some friends. Trying to find out where she lies. You try to talk to anybody, everybody try to find out. You ask all kinds of questions. Like, what do you like? Where would you go? You want to find out information because you don't know on your own. God understands that he is, is, is his knowledge is surpassing than everything that we could ever comprehend and understand. And so, therefore, in his Bible, he's chose to reveal to us who he is so that we might know him. 
Think about what you know because what God has revealed and what God has revealed to you has put you in a, in a bigger space of awe of that is amazing. Because when you understand that the Bible is God's revelation, his authority, the first thing you're going to find out if you start at the beginning of the book. I'm going to throw a pen in here for a second. Many times we buy books and we start at the beginning of those books, but we get the Bible. We just want to pick and choose. We got to get the whole story. And so if you get the Bible, you begin at the beginning of the book. You're going to find out in the beginning was God. Right then and there, God has already revealed he's already been existing. And he has always been in existence. And then he brings to close to the question, where did we come from? He says, I made you. And so once you grab and you start understanding that our God is sovereign, he's all powerful, and he is the creator. Right then and there, doctrine has taught us that God is in control of this universe. He is the creators of the heavens and the earth. I challenge you to go look and find out, is there any other God that's responsible for making the heavens and the earth? You're going to find some gods that is gods of water. You're going to find some gods or gods of the sun. You're going to find some gods or gods of the seasons. But yet, I, I challenge you to find out how many will say that there is one God who created the heavens and the earth. You can even do some research and look at Jonah. Jonah let them know. These, these people who did not know his God were saying, don't you pray to your God for this storm? He says, I don't need to pray because the storm because of me. He let them know that my God's the creator of the earth and the sea. So the problem, the sea that's giving you problems, my God made it. They said, well, you need to get right. <laughs> because if you know who's control of all of this, you need to go, I'm paraphrasing. I need to go read for yourself. You can see what he said. And, and, and they understood that there is a God that is big. And they found out that his God was bigger. That's what happened when we look in the Bible. We're going to find out that our God is bigger than our understanding. We can make stuff up for ourselves but then again that's what you made up and so if he's what made them it's limited to how much you know and what you understand do you understand that God knows infinite more than what we'll ever know and so when you think you know something and you try to tell somebody as a matter of fact what you know I guarantee somebody can come back and tell you something you did not know and so what we find out here is that God has chosen to reveal us, to reveal himself to us so that we might know him. Because if he has not done so, we would never know him. Because if to know God, we have God to reveal to us. But think about it. You say you can find God without yourself. That means you know more than God. Think about it. Can you really say I know more than God? So we need God to reveal himself to us so that we might know him. Even this, think about how in the gospel of John, it, it, it summarizes to us that this gospel was not meant to give us all this stuff. But yet John 20th chapter verses 30 and 31 says the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So you see, even the gospel writer said, I, I could have wrote down more of the things he done, but yet what I wrote down is what, I, what God has given me to give to you that you might know that he is the Messiah. So then how do we know? So how, excuse me, how do we view our Bible? We view Bible as God's holy word. 
And again, we review, review it as it's God's story of his redemption towards us. And then when we start viewing it, we see the discovery from chapter 1 of Genesis all the way to the end of Revelation that God is sovereign, that God is king, that God is judge, that he is holy, that there's a th- God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We find out that he, is, he desires for salvation to be for us. He desires for us to be holy. We find that. We find that. We only, we only know because God has chosen to reveal himself to us. For we cannot know God on our own, for we do not know what God knows. God must reveal himself, and by his grace, he has done so for our sake. Revelation, again, means what? To reveal what was secret, to make it known. And think about what God has made known unto us. And you can find this looking at Psalm 96. It says to us in Psalm 96, the psalmist, you can find out even the psalmist's doctrine by how he pins this psalm. We can read this psalm, and the, and the writer shares with us that he has come to know God, and he's come to know God. He come to know to give him glory and to worship him. Also, we can look how his doctrine goes on to say that the Lord is awesome and mighty in salvation. He is glorious. He has done great things, for great is the Lord. He has created the heavens and the earth. These are revealed all in those first six verses. In those first six verses, you find out that he is great, that he is creator, that he is mighty. He is worthy to be praised. We shall bless his holy name. And so this moves to why we should worship him. Because what has been revealed by God is that, he, that the mighty, that mighty are the works of our God's hands. And his name is above all names and, all, and is worthy of all the praises. We look at God's word and we find that there is no one else who is God and creator of all things who desires to save man from their destruction of sin and to redeem them so they will be with him for all eternity. This great revelation is so wonderful that the psalmist is moved to declare God's salvation every day. Y'all see that in the text? To declare his salvation day to day, that means every day. Not just one day, but that day, then the next day, and then the day after that, I'm going to declare God's salvation. Anybody here wake up in the morning and glad you saved? And when you're so glad you're saved, you got to tell somebody else, I'm glad I'm saved. And then you get excited that you, they not check this out, that you start looking around your house and you start, you get, start praising God because your wife's saved, your, your, your children are saved. And you say, thank you, God, that we have salvation in this household. And then it starts getting good to you that you start meeting other people. You want them to know the goodness of God's salvation. So you will declare this salvation. This comes from you understanding the teaching of our Lord and Savior. Even Jesus himself made it clear in Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. We call it the Great Commission. He tells them to go teach. Make, get, make sure they receive the doctrine of all things. Y'all see that word all is going to be right back in there. That we need to know all things. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so when we think of God's goodness and the marvel of his creation, the earth, just think about the earth. The earth rotates about 24 hours. Therefore, if you were to hang above the surface of the earth at the equator without moving, you will see 25,000 miles pass by in 24 hours at a speed of 25,000 to over 24, just over 1,000 miles per hour. 
that's how the earth rotates in the right speed, in the right location, at the right time. And check it out. If it was just off by one mile, things would spin out of control. I'm going to go back. Just think about uh, those old albums. That old album, you just get one scratch. Just one scratch. That album never going to play right. Never going to play right. Just that one scratch. You going to put it on that song. You done, right? You got to go get another one. Got to go out and get another album. And so same circumstance about this earth that just one speed off, it'll rotate and spiral in confusion. But yet God, our awesome, magnificent, wonderful creator, has said it so that we can stand on the ground that's moving over a thousand miles per hour and we are now spinning out of control. Because if, if, if you have motion sickness and know what it feels like, that you might have been on a merry-go-round and somebody spent you around on that merry-go-round, you started getting dizzy, you started feeling sick, um, um, and, 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 and you are holding on, making sure you don't spin off. What you holding on to right now? Is it God has gravity doing his work. You don't even think about gravity. You just walk, wonder why, why you walk and standing up. That's gravity doing his work. God has put that in control. Think about it, how if we were creating stuff, well, we would think of all that stuff. God had all in control. All right, I got to put gravity this way, put it this way, got it this way. All when he says, when he created the heavens and the earth, he put all those things in perspective so that it'll work out in our benefit. Isn't that something? And so, so isn't it easier now to worship the God of the creator, find out that God, you have taken care of stuff I don't got to worry about. We, we, we have more trust in, con- in contractors and construction workers than we do in God. How many times you've gone over that Bob Michael Bridge, you never got out to check to make sure it was still sturdy? You say, you say come on, we going. You just get on, go on out. So I'm going wherever I'm going. This bridge better hold me up. We going, we going. We have faith that that bridge hold up, but our God so enough is holding everything under control. We show them to wake up and say, Lord, I thank you for one more day for holding everything together. Because our God takes care of us that we don't need any maintenance and upkeep. Because he's right there. He knows what's best for us. The doctrine of God will lead us to worship him. For God who has done such things for us. Look at verse 7 through 10 of Psalm 96. It says what? O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering. And come into his courts. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. Till all the nations the Lord reigns. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. He will judge all people fairly. Look what this doctrine now teaches us. This doctrine now teaches us that the nations will recognize that the Lord and his glory is judge. Y'all see that there? Because he's going to judge all people. Let, let me help somebody out. That when you don't know something. And it comes to fruition. You're going to find out that what you did not know didn't matter. You did not know it. Because what has come to fruition was already there. 
For example, you can go speeding in the neighborhood. You don't see a speed limit up, but that cop pull you over. You're going to get that ticket. And you're going to say you didn't know the speed limit. You say, that's all right. Here go your ticket. So now you know. And that's the same circumstance that we're going to live in our world, that God has given us his word to reveal to us who he is. So when we don't know him, whose fault is it? Your fault. Can't blame somebody else. Even when you go through a residential neighborhood, they already tell you in driving class that a residential neighborhood speed is 25 miles per hour. So stay 25 miles per hour. If you go to another neighborhood that's under that, they put it up so you know it's 10 miles per hour. But we want to keep on saying, well, I, I didn't see nothing, so I'm going to do what I want. They're going to catch up with you. That's why God says, look here, I want you to know my truth. I want you to be aware of these things and realize I will judge, and I will judge rightly, and I will judge all nations. What else does this doctor say? It says all nations. It did not say Israel. Which means that even as Jesus has told his disciples, go teach all nations that his salvation is for everybody. Oh, glory be to God. Which shows us that those who are going to say there's, there's many ways to get to God, you're going to let them know, no, there's only one way. And you're going to find out when that one judge shows up. You're going to find out that he is bigger, greater, mightier than any of all these other mere idols. Y'all see that in the text? That we want to create, we want to worship. I want to help somebody to understand that anytime we worship something, put something before God, we are doing idolatry. Glory only belongs to the Lord. We should worship him and him alone. So we need to be careful how we give certain things in our lives priority over God. When we keep him number one, it's amazing how all other things start lining up because we put him in the proper perspective that he is. So when you put everything in order, we start seeing God for who he is. And, and look, look how this movement comes. The crops rejoice. How, how is it the crops got it right? The trees worship him. How is it the trees get it right? How is it that all of his creation but his mankind know how to worship him day by day? But we get up and we want to say it don't take all that. I do it on Sunday. I don't have to do it on Monday. Uh, I, I, I'll see you Wednesday evening, but right now, you know, I got to get my party on. How is it that we do everything that we want to do and not do what the word has called us to do? But yet plants get it right. Trees were symbolic that many times it talks about tree. Even the, the, the first psalm says, you will be like a tree planted by the river and bear its fruit in its due season. That they, un, they have great symbolicity of these trees and what they represent. And that even trees get it right, that they know how to worship him. So how is it that the crops will burst out, the trees will burst out, but we won't burst out? Look again in the text. It says that come to worship him in all this splendor and all this glory. And then it also says, bring your offering. <laughs> Y'all quiet on me. It says, bring your offering. 
if you don't understand that when they went to the temple, they didn't come empty-handed. Y'all quiet on me. They came with an offering. Think about how our custom is that many times when you go to somebody's house party, you bring an item for the party. So when you come to the house, you, you come with that bottle of wine, you come with some cookies, you come with some pie, you come whatever it is that you come to say, here it is, to contribute to the party. But when you come to the house of God, you say, Lord, you better be happy that I showed up. They understood that they couldn't come empty-handed, that they came with an offering. Even so, that Jesus got mad at how they were abusing that because many people didn't bring what they had, so they all buy it when they got there. So I don't have a turtle dove, so I'm going to buy my turtle dove now. And since they knew that they had them hoodwinked, they said, well, we're going to charge you more. Because you know you can't get in without it, so we're going to charge you more. We're going to make a profit. That's why he kicked them out. That this is supposed to be the house of prayer, not a den of thieves. So he kicked them out. But yet the problem was he took advantage. The people knew that they should come with an offering, which we need to be mindful that there are some people that are trying to abuse people that know they need to come with an offering, trying to tell you how to do it. And they're just robbing you and stealing from you when God is letting you know it's clear what you should give to me. The Bible tells you how you need to give a tenth at least and, and give an offering. And, and it shows out to us that when you come, they'll become. So we don't, we don't come with, with cereal and animals for our offering. So we come with a monetary offering. But here was a general offering. It didn't say bring your sin offering. It didn't say bring your love offering. It didn't say bring this offering. It says just bring your offering. So it could have been whatever they had for the offering. And so we see the text shows us that we should come to God and give him what is his. We should give him his glory. We should give him his praise. We should give him his offering. And then when we do that, check it out. Remember, worship means basically, literally means to kiss the ground. And when people would bow down, it means they were so reverence, they were so respect to who they were in front of them. And so when we worship God, when we worship him, what we're saying that, Lord, we are focusing on you because you are worth more. You are worthy. And and. And, and vice versa, we're saying to ourselves that we are worth less because he is worth more. And when we understand that he is worth more, look what happens. It's easy to rejoice and celebrate because we find out that he is the, my salvation. He is my rock. He is my redeemer. He is the creators of the heavens and the earth. So start thinking about implying these doctrines to find out that if God is control of this world, why do I got to worry about what's going on in the Dow? If God is control of this world, why do I have to be concerned every time someone says something that gets on my last nerves? Because when we start start allowing ourselves to be focused on things that distract us from his word, the enemy is going to try to sneak in and try to do all that he can because we gave him a foothold. But when we hold on to his word, he can't fight God's word. The world, we, know, we know the world is trying to make us accept things that are not of God's word. They're trying to tell you that you can't say this, you can't do that, that you're wrong, you're discriminatory, you're doing all these things because you're going to tell somebody what is sin. Just because you condone it don't make it right. 
Just because you stole something does not make it right. Because you can justify why you stole it. There's many people out there trying to justify their lifestyles, justify how they live, but we know what the Bible says. And so when we know what the Bible says, then we apply this doctrine. Now, casters, casters, just because we don't agree with it or we don't understand it does not make it right because do we know what God knows? So it's going back again that we want to use our limited mentality and thought and imagination to try to confine God's word to mean what we say it means instead of stop and pause and saying, God, tell me what this means. And Lord, if I don't understand it, help me to be uh, obedient that I don't do anything that's contradictory to your word. And that's what we need to do, seek his face more. Because when we see his doctrine is helping us, it's going to help us to worship because find out there's some things that's out of our control. We're going to find out there's some things we'll never know. We're going to find out that, for example, if you look at the Bible, many of us have questions when we look at the Bible. We're trying to find out about Noah's and his ark, like where did he build that boat? And, and, and how could it be so big and it was still in the neighborhood? I digress. Let me throw this out. Some of y'all might remember Bill Cosby and his joker talking about Noah building says, you know, you're taking up all the driveway. <laughs> you speaking of rain, I don't see any rain. Go ahead and move that out so we can move into the neighborhood. You know, he was jabbing Joe with him and say, how can Noah build this big boat and this thing in, the, in this area? But yet God told him the specific dimensions and the measurements and told him how to have it ready. That when it was done, that when the water was flooding, his boat was secure. How is that? Because God knows everything. Thing. Even when it doesn't make sense to us, God knows how to work it out. And look closely at the end of this text. He's coming back to judge. And he's going to judge equity. He's going to be just and he's going to do it with truth. What I'm trying to point out that when we look at the Bible and we find out the doctrine of God, we're going to find out that God is only telling us what he's told us before in his word. When you look at the beginning, it says in the beginning was God and God loved us so much that he made the earth for us. You know, the last thing he made was us and gave us the earth. You know, the last thing he's going to give to us is the earth. If you look in Revelation, it says, behold, I see a new heaven and a new earth coming after we've already been transformed in the twinkling of an eye, standing before him in glory only to worship him forever and ever. And you know, that's only after the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is King of kings and Lords of lords. So what I'm trying to tell you, the Bible speaks of it from then that they say he's coming back. They were saying that back in Psalm 96 when Jesus came so 4,000 years later, he says he's coming back, and we're waiting right now for when he's coming back, and we already know how the story's going to end. So knowing this truth, how much more will you worship him? Knowing this truth, how much more will you serve him? Because worship him is serving him. Serving him is worshiping him. Worship is not just singing music and clapping your hands. Worship is how we honor him and reverence him, and serve him. And we know how to do that because it's in his word. That's why my doctrine is my worship. Father, we come right now, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, for your word. We thank you, God, that you revealed yourself to us. And Father, we want to receive all that you have for us right now, O oh God. And Father, we pray right now that you continue to work on us, shape us, mold us, and form us.
to be more and more who you want us to be, that we'll be the men, the women of God you've called us to be, that we'll seek your face in time of trouble, in time of, of stress, in time of predicaments that we don't know where to go. We find out, Lord, we can find it in your word. We will pray for those who get on our, our nerves and who irritate us. We will allow them to, to make us do what's against your will. But, Lord, we're going to seek your will. Father, Lord, we want your word to be hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you, that we will continue to walk by faith and not by sight, knowing that we don't know everything, but we know you who knows everything. And we know you work out the good for those who love you and call it according to your purpose. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.